gonna rock this shade Gonna scream my name Make you shout now, honey Gonna make you whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. Stars every day in universal time. 
just my ordinary truth My ordinary truth Clearly life has changed But that won't change what's true for me and you Hold my hand, breathing deep, look into my eyes For what's clear and true Put the love in these love songs, baby And it's saving me and driving me crazy We're the lucky sun today i'm doing fantastic richard thank you oh, thank you for coming on the show now this is the first time you've been on our show and we always like to get things rolling by giving our fans a real opportunity to get to know who you are as an artist and the best way to do that is to look at your journey how you got to where you are today so give us the story of doyle turner uh, my musical journey began when I was uh, very young. My dad played guitar for me um, and for the family um, on car rides, um, uh, putting us to bed at night. And so that was just part of um, what was normal in our household was uh, music and and, uh, uh, and dad playing, playing for us. 
Um, and remember distinctly uh, several nights where he, you know he put his foot up on the corner of our bed and uh, lay the guitar across his knee and, and just play until we fell asleep. Um, later on, we uh, would go over to Grandma and Grandpa Turner's uh, house and they had a small screened-in porch. And uh, the adults would tell stories and sing songs and uh, songs we knew and we could sing along. And so I really grew up with music as just a, a living, breathing part of my life. Okay. Now, you know, every artist that I've met had that crossroad moment in their life. You know, that that time when they could make a choice to become an accountant or a musician, and they chose that other path. What was that moment for you that really defined that this was the path that you wanted to, to take, to become a musician? Well, I... I probably crossed over and back uh, uh, on that line several times. Um, when I was in college, I was in a music program um, that was for electric guitar and uh, had a, a wonderful time learning from some amazing instructors and alongside some amazing musicians. And then um, I chose to go into teaching. Um, and after my, uh, I've got two adult children, and after my uh, children left the home, then I was able to um, really, uh, it was like the doors opening when I discovered um, songwriting. Um, and that's, that's what I've been following ever since. In the meantime, um, you know, I did maintain my music through um, uh, performing with different configurations, uh, sometimes a duo, sometimes in a, a country band I played in for a while. Um, uh, so it's been kind of a, a long journey um, coming to seeing myself as an artist. And really that kind of coalesced probably five years ago when I started writing uh, and doing a lot more songwriting. And it felt like the doors opened and, and I found what my, my calling and my purpose was in life. Um, whereas before, you know, I was performing music and doing music in different configurations. But the songwriting is really what it has um, made me feel as though I've, I've reached my art, reached what my calling has been in life. Okay. Now, um, let's talk about the new release that you have coming out. When you were putting this together, you know, every artist has either a message or even a goal for their particular releases. What was your goal or message for this release? I wanted to really capture um, the time frame in which these songs were written. Most of these songs were written within the past two years, Um and we rec we began recording in November of 2021, and so uh, everything uh, from the past year and a half uh, preceding that, uh, and so it was. Uh, these are songs that provide a snapshot of that time in life. Um, you know, kind of the as the pandemic is uh, was raging and began to wane. Um, there's songs like these days that really capture that um, that feeling, um, and it's just really. Uh, a snapshot of this time in my life, but also this time in my progression as a songwriter. Okay. Now, uh, let's talk about that. Um, you, you as a songwriter, uh, when you sit down to begin that process, what's the mechanism that you use that allows you to tap into your muse? Um, for me, really, the heart of things comes from uh, the feelings uh, that I'm that I feel arise in, in my chest. Right, so I'm a real emotional writer. Um, also, 
for me, language is huge. Um, there's a rhythm and a feel to language. Um, there, there's a, a certain way that language hangs in the air for me. And so when I get a phrase that, that really sounds good, then I know that that's got to be a part of a song. And, and I, I look to find the rhythms within how that phrase is spoken or sung. And then I will go back and, and uh, compose the music to match those, those rhythms that I find inherent in, in any word or any phrase. Um, so language is huge, but also making sure that I'm, I'm serving that, that, that emotion or that feeling that, that's um, foremost in, in my mind at that time. Okay. Now, you know, I, I look at lyrics and melody as two different functions of the brain. Um, lyrics being, you know, very structured in their uh, approach or their craft in that you have to have a story, there's a continuity, there's meter, there's rhyme, there's, you know, the um, the whole aspect of, of crafting a lyric. But melody's a little different. Some songwriters like to use a groove and allow it to free form out. Others like to allow the lyric and its uh, cadence to kind of dictate where the melody should go. When you go hunting for your melodies, what's kind of your go-to? Um, for me, for, uh, it, again, it's language-based, the cadence of those words. If I can, if I can match those rhythms somehow in, in a melody, um, then I feel like I'm, I'm serving the, the, the language better. Uh, also, there's a, there's a huge amount of trial and error, and I don't know that I understood that before I begin writing as earnestly as I have been writing, um, where I, at least for me, I will sit down and I'll try different melodies. I'll try, uh, you know, different notes on a guitar, uh, different notes vocally until I find something that's pleasing. And then, then I've got my building block and I can build from that and I can do my variations. I can, uh, use the, the tools and the tricks and the tips of the craft of songwriting. But really it, it, comes from me um, a lot of trial, a failure, and error in terms of finding that melody and that groove. Okay. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about your toolkit. Um, every songwriter has their toolkit, and a lot of songwriters have really embraced some of the technology that's out there, whether it's their cell phone to kind of capture ideas or they have a home recording studio, they lay out structure and write to that. What are some of the tools that you have found to be indispensable to you as a writer? For me, the cell phone is it. Boy, um, the um, audio uh, recording function on that. My phone is filled with hundreds and hundreds of ideas, um, both lyrically and, and melodically, that I store. Um, Steve Earle kind of taught me that. I, I saw an interview with Steve Earle, and he he talked about having, you know, uh, two different cell phones um, because he was able to, uh, he says, I've got two of them that are filled with ideas um, for songs. And I thought, well, this is one of the great songwriters of, of our time, and he is using this technology this way. And so I, I save everything in multiple um, attempts. When I'm, when I'm actively writing, I'll, and I run across something that I, I feel like, oh, that's getting closer, that's, that's right, I'll make sure and quick, uh, record it down and then continue on. And as I've gotten more and more songs under my belt, I don't need to do that as often as I did in the beginning. 
but boy, the, the cell phone is, is huge. Um, I'm involved with a, a, a singer songwriter Facebook group where they, uh, it's a prompt driven group and it, it's really uh, saved my life. Uh, and one, what their deal is, is they give you a prompt and then you've got a week or sometimes two weeks to, to write the song. And then within that time frame, you compose the song and record yourself, uh, performing it. And so I, I've got videos of my songs as well in their infancy. And it's really fun to look back at that to see, well, this is where the song started. Now, you know, I've got this fully produced version that's, uh, that's polished and, and shines, but this is where the heart of that song came from. Um, and you can really see the bones and the structure by, by looking back at it. So cell phone for sure. Um, I do some home recording. Um, the pandemic forced me to do my second album, Clear and True. Um, I'd say 90% of it was uh, recorded right at my, my desk into a DAW. And that was good for um, uh, production and structure uh, analysis, but I don't ever, um, I don't ever use it as a composing tool. Um, if I'm uh, able to find some kind of a beat that I can, uh, I can program in my DAW, sometimes that helps me work out the meter and the, and the rhythm and the cadence of what I'm trying to get at. But um, it's definitely the cell phone for me. Um, it's just an indispensable tool for, for songwriting for me. Okay. Now, um, you know, I'm always curious what musicians choose as their DAW because I've been a recording engineer since 1980. That's how old I am. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I started when I was in the 60s, you know, uh, playing. But in 1980, I became uh, an engineer, and, you know, I started with a, a splice block and, and two-inch tape. But, you know, <laughs> I'm always curious what DAW that, you know, the musicians choose. So what are you using? Um, I'm using uh, I'm using Studio One through Personas. Oh, okay. Um, That's and I, I, yeah. Oh, excellent. Yeah, I'm real... Uh, I, I don't think it matters which DAW you, you choose to get into as a beginner. The, the learning curve is fairly steep. Um, mm -hmm. And you shouldn't feel bad at all about your background, Richard, because I had the same um, block and tape uh, and, and cutting tools and, and splicing for, for my introduction into recording. <laughs> <laughs> so and I think there's a certain, certain age then. <laughs> well, I think there's a certain value to that, right? But, um, gives you a basic understanding so that when you when you dive into the DAW, you know kind of how things really really are, are working there. Um, oh, but yeah. yeah, that's the DAW I, I use is uh, the Personas, and I just got the very basic version of it. Um, but it served me well with Clear and True. I was able to make all my recordings, send my stems over to. Uh, Supple Studios here in Bemidji, where I um, where I do my recording, and then we were able to do all of our our mixing, um, part remote but part um, in the studio as well during the pandemic, and um, it was a it was a great learning experience for me. I, I loved it. Yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting to see where Studio One uh, ends up since uh, Personas and Fender uh, just merged. Um, so ah. it should be an interesting. Uh, Interesting to see what happens, you know. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I, I have always loved Fender instruments, um, but I've not been as impressed with some of their online, um, oh, uh, guitar lesson offerings. 
so yeah, I, I don't know what Fender's background is in, in recording, uh, but hopefully we'll be able to maintain the high uh, quality that Personas has, at least that I've experienced. Well, it's, well, I spoke to Jim Odom, and he, he kind of assured me that uh, it's going to be okay. You know, so I hope so because I, I, you know, I, I, you know, I was on sonar for a while until Gibson screwed it up, and, and now I had to go and learn another DAW, and I really don't want to do that again. You know, <laughs> it's time consuming, and um, you get used to your little shortcuts and in, in the way that the software works, and yeah, it's uh, it can be disconcerting. <laughs> <laughs> that it can. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about going into the studio. Um, you know, uh, having a good song is half the equation. You know, you go into the studio and it creates not only an identity to the song, but it also creates the identity of you as an artist by establishing your sound. Um, when you get into that environment, what is your process that allows you to capture the sound you're looking for? I have been so fortunate to be able to work with some amazing people. The a person who produced my first album, Lance Benson, um, had a really amazing approach to uh, recording. And he was very meticulous, um, uh, heavy, heavy, heavy preparation. So when you go in to record, you're utilizing every minute of your studio time because the, the meter's always running. Um, and you come in and most prepared that you're able to um, be at that time. And so that's kind of the background that I'm always keeping in, in the back of my mind as I'm recording is using the time efficiently, but also being prepared um, and also allowing for, you know, that five to 10% studio magic where when you, you're recording, an idea comes or a different um, musician brings something you hadn't thought of and allowing for that synergy to affect what you've got um, uh, what, and what you're bringing in for a song. Again, um, I've been really, really lucky to work with Troy Foss from Supple Studios here in Bemidji because he has that I, uh, that unending well of ideas for how to shape a song or what might be a, a good uh, direction to choose as an experiment. And it seems like 90% of his experiments turn into gold. Um, and so I... I, I I come prepared, but I'm also very, very open to that that idea of studio magic and and how things will progress as you as you track in the studio. You know, this the studio has become like an extension to the songwriter's process, um, but you always have to get to that point where you you end the writing phase before you go into the studio. And then give it to the band and the producers and the engineers to kind of allow them to put their fingerprints on. What, what's kind of your um, your process or your mechanism that you use to determine when the song is ready to kind of get that treatment in the studio, go into that next phase of its life? Um, time, time is a huge benefit to me. Um, when I write the songs, I... Um, I rarely make changes after the song is officially done in my mind. 
I'm, I'll make some small tweaks um, to the actual, you know, lyrics and melody and that sort of thing. And of course, there's always structural things that we run into when we go into the studio and say, oh, it would be great to put a lead break here, or maybe this this chorus goes here. But in terms of, you know, the, the meat and the bones of the song, uh, I'll rarely change um, from when I, you know, when I figure that it's complete. Um, but that being said, um, a lot of times going into the studio has allowed me a great uh, way to discover new ways of production or new ways to um, uh, perhaps a different style of, of rhythm, maybe a different emphasis, and it can change the song um, so so greatly. Um, and, and again, I go back to my engineer, Joy Boss, who it, it seems like you know 50% of what we come up with uh, as a final product is me and the song, and 50% of it is what he's able to do with his engineering skills. It's an art. Um, it really is. Uh, it it really shapes the, the the end product so greatly that um, I I'm just so thankful for Troy because he's he's equal equal parts artist in this process in my opinion. Okay, now tell me a little bit about the lineup on this. Who's playing on it? Oh, we lucked out, Richard. Oh, my gosh. Um, first of all, Mary Kucherfellow um, is a great, great uh, lead guitar player, a Telecaster um, maestro from from down in Texas. And she happens to be living in St. Paul. And uh, a friend of a friend uh, was able to ask her if she would perform on this uh, on this uh, CD. And she just nails her parts. Uh, it's just it's so much fun to hear what she's able to do with the, the lead break in one good night. And um, my good friend, Ted Heineshevitz, who ended up uh, producing this album, he plays bass on all but one of the tracks. Um, and then locally here in Bemidji, we've got these local legends, um, Christy Tell Miller, who's on um, In This Meantime with uh, uh, mandolin parts. Um, we've got uh, Gary Brosky, who's currently playing with Corey Medina and the Brothers, just tearing it up regionally here. And he plays bass on um, uh, one of the tracks here, Ordinary Truth. Um, we've got uh, Steve Peffer from the band Alabama. You've heard, you've heard of that country band, Alabama? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, do, I do recall them. <laughs> He's, uh, he, oh my gosh, the magic he brought to this album, it's incomparable. I'm just so pleased every time I, I listen to the tracks. I'm just like, oh my gosh, we've got uh, this sound and and this musician on this record. It's just huge. Um, uh, and one of the cool things about uh, the last track coming around is uh, the I mentioned the singer songwriter group that I'm a part of, and several of those people were able to get together this spring and uh, were able to do gang vocals for me on that song. And so it was a really sweet way to end that song and this uh, album and, uh, and and this recording process is to have them, uh, a group of them singing, you know, the, the chorus to uh, Coming Round. Um, and then, uh, of course, I've got um, uh, uh, Aaron Jennings, who's a steel guitar player from, from Montana. Locally here, I've got Lance Hedden, who plays um, all kinds of woodwinds. But in this one, he, w- he was able to play uh, alto sax on... Um, uh, on ordinary truth, um, just oh, I'm so pleased to have this lineup. Um, my probably well, my songwriting hero is Sarah Morris, and she's a Minneapolis-based 
singer-songwriter who's won Kerrville and uh, the, the folk writing contest in Texas, and she's won some other contests as well. Twice the Midwest Country Music Organization uh, Songwriter of the Year. Um, she does uh, she does harmonies on this album on six out of the eight tracks, and it's just it's just magical. Um, this has just been such a I, I feel so fortunate that all of these uh, people were able to come together and and help all with this album because it's um, I, I don't know if I could recreate the magic if I tried. <laughs> okay. Now, um, uh, once you get this recorded, you have to, of course, get it out there. You got to get it to radio. You got to get it to press. And you're working with uh, Krista Valenkis of Tinderbox Music. Tell me a little bit about that relationship. Oh, well, Krista is a friend of a friend, and I'm so lucky to have her on my side. This is all uh, a new process for me as my uh, first two solo albums um, the, were released in the pandemic, and so the promotion was uh, something I did on my own. And so this is something that I'm, uh, is a new thing for me, having Krista help me out. And she she's uh, amazing. She knows exactly what needs to be done and um, is, has been able to... Um, point me in directions that I haven't been able to utilize before, where we are u- using a lot of local uh, print here in Bemidji, local radio, um, but also reaching out internationally with this with this album as well. And so I just feel extremely lucky to have Krista on my side um, for promotion on this. Okay. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about the music industry. Um, over the last 25 years, the digital revolution has really redefined the industry several times over. Uh, and then we got the pandemic hit us and, you know, we're all been locked down and not touring for two, almost three years. Um, at this stage of the game, as we're gearing ourselves back to some sort of normalcy, um, what is the large, the biggest challenge that you're finding right now as an independent artist in this new music industry? It's really funny. A friend of mine said it the best. He just had pressed uh, a bunch of vinyl copies of his album. And he said, isn't it interesting that we're using 40-year-old technology, 40-year-old um, methods of, of getting our music out there as a way to move forward? And it's true, you know, everything um, that we, you know, starting back from vinyl to eight tracks to cassettes, it's all lasted and had a shelf life. Um, and now we're, all of it is obsolete. Um, we're returning some to the vinyl. Um, but it's, it's a challenge because, um, you know, an, an artist, you'd like to at least break even on what you put into something. And that seems to be more and more difficult without some form of, of touring. So, yeah, the past two and a half years with the pandemic has been impossible. But it's also been a real turning point for me in terms of creativity because a lot of the distractions were removed and I was able to just songwrite. Um, and so I've been writing uh, so much every every uh, every year here during the pandemic and forward. Also, you know, people talk about technology as being destructive and, and it, it's, it's a change force for sure. But without... Um, without the pandemic and without um, the internet, I wouldn't have met the folks that have been so pivotal in helping me um, grow as an, as an artist, as you know, a Sarah Morris or a Ted Heineshevitz, because they uh, were part of that writing group, and, and I was 
uh, had the time to songwrite, and so we were able to meet up over over the internet. And now I've got uh, two lifelong friends um, who are are just great great friends, great uh, talented people, but also um, guides that I can follow. You know, I I know both Sarah and Ted have have done what I'm trying to do, and and they can guide me along. So there, you know, the, there's a destructive force to to the technology and, and the change in the industry. But also, it's led me to a lot of collaboration and connection. And for me, that's been the real payoff lately. Is I realize that you know, you write a good song, if it connects, then that's the win, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Whether it connects with one or with fifty or with a hundred, um, and I, and I can see that when I play live. If I connect with somebody, oh, that that's that's the payoff. But also, the collaboration through songwriting that that's available to me now through through the internet means I can connect with these folks that, uh, you know, I, I just met Ted in person a year ago in June, and yet we're, we've become best friends because we've written together and we uh, have, you know, shared one another's songs. Um, and uh, it's, it's, there's, there's a benefit to it as well, and it's been sort of a springboard for a great time of creativity for me. Well, you know, it, it's interesting. Um you know, in the old days, you know, you used to create an album to support a tour, and then you created a tour to support an album. Um, and now it's become essential to tour in order to afford to put out an album. Um, you know, and, and this really is not a sustainable business model um, no. you know, for an independent artist. And unfortunately, today's consumer, because of streaming, no longer looks at recorded music as a product it's now a service you know they go on their phone they look up an artist they can um you know basically listen to everything they've done choose to what songs they want to put in their playlist and you know off they go to their yoga class and and listen to whatever you know they they want um right you know it's it's a different world than you know you and i are are familiar with how has this shift by the consumer affected you as an artist? Well, I think it has made me think more um, uh, locally. Um, maybe you know you're you're thinking more in terms of what's going to be able to sustain me in my art. Um, what's going to be able to help me to keep this practice going um, so that um, I can I can keep going. And whether that's um, going out as a as a solo act or you know pairing up as a duo, it seems like that has been the, those two uh, formats have been the way for me to keep money flowing in, so I can record the next album. Um, so it's for, it forces a different type of creativity, and it's it's dire. You know, uh, I, I forget how many millions of uploads are done to Spotify every day. Um, and a majority of the people on Spotify are listening to um, um, vintage music, music that was produced, you know, 15, 20, 30 years ago. Um, we, were, we were just, uh, we traveled over the summer and we were in some uh, large, like shopping malls and casinos and that sort of thing. And most of the music you hear going through those, those, those big areas are things from, you know, my childhood or my, my teens. And, and I think in this pandemic, you see people who are people are reaching back to the familiar for comfort, right? Oh, so yeah. new music is is difficult um, to get out there and get and to find ears. But you think about 
um, art from the, the very first cave painting till now, there's always been constraints. And in fact, art is made within the constraints, whether it's time, money, materials, whatever. Um, I, uh, a good friend of mine, Lance Benson, said before my first recording solo project, he said, you know, we can have, you know, uh, $10 million in, in 10 years, and we would still find things we would want to tweak at the end of that process, and we'd run out of time or money. And it's true that um, constraints in my world also um, mean more creativity, and um, creators and, and artistic people find ways to create despite the obstacles. And that's kind of where I'm living right now is um, I, I feel like this gives me a good puzzle to try and work through, and it helps me to write better songs and produce better albums because the, the constraints are, are very real. <laughs> well, you know, there, I've been keeping an eye on, on the industry. It's kind of my, uh, my hobby. I, I really like to uh, delve into what's happening next. And I'm watching this technology, um, which is uh, streaming platforms that are being developed on the blockchain, which is that technology that um, cryptocurrency uses to secure itself. Uh, and this blockchain now allows for smart contracts and uh, they allow for digital applications to be embedded in within this blockchain. And a couple companies that are really interesting, one being Audius and the other being Emanate, where they're claiming, number one, that they're creating a decentralized system whereby they take out all the large corporations and companies because in a decentralized system, no one company can control the streaming service. So it is a direct relationship between the fan and the artist. And they're claiming that they can pay up to 80%, 90% of the incoming revenue back to the artist, the creators themselves. Which I found interesting because there was an article in Billboard that pretty much said that of all the billions of dollars that is being generated by the music industry, only 12% ends up back in the artist's hands. And that's a huge disparity considering the other entertainment options that are out there and how much money actually goes back to the performers in those other you know forms of entertainment. Uh, so we really need to have something that will right this ship. And this may be the technology that will kind of force that hand to be dealt. What do you think of that as a potential future for the industry? Oh, I think that would be exciting because um, I think it would be a way for more artists to be able to sustain themselves. Um, uh, I think that uh, if we can use the technology to get out ahead of um, what's what's currently happening, I think that would be exciting. Um, it's it's an interesting concept because I love this idea of local, right? We, we, with our food, we've been able to talk about eating local and farm to table and that sort of thing. And I noticed that no matter what's happening nationally, people still enjoy music when I play um, in my local, whether it's uh, uh, the bar here in town or 
um, uh, the uh, the local listening room. People love that. My my wife and I host um, listening rooms in our home or uh, listening concerts, uh, uh, house concerts, and um, people come because they love live music. And so, any way that we can connect the artist to the audience and, and eliminate all of the other things that come between, people appreciate that. They they realize that. There's talent, um, and it, it's not just on a national level. Um, you know, some of the stuff that's happening nationally has become kind of obscene, where I think Bruce Springsteen just had, um, you know, a bunch of tickets that were purchased up by Ticketmaster and and, uh, and then resold at a much higher rate, and he was it was beyond his control. Um, and people see that kind of thing, and they think, oh, you know what, if, if I can go and hear Doyle when he's playing locally, and uh, that's that's an experience that's valuable as well. Um, I, I read an interesting article that talked about music as an industry being a relatively new concept um, when you think, you know, uh, on a large scale of time, meaning the last 100, 120 years where people were able to make their living by just being musicians um, and how that was, that's, that's a relatively new concept and it may be reaching its end. And I hope that's not the case because you know the, the traveling minstrels were able to were able to go town to town and seem to keep you know body and soul together. Um, but it's it's an interesting perspective that you know this this industry uh, has has reached the end of its current form. And I think you know the more local we can get with music, um, because there's talent everywhere. There's there's talent around every corner, and, and I think that the more that gets out there, the more that's good for people's hearts and souls and good for good for uh, the performers as well to share what you have as, as a skill and a talent. Um, and so I hope that's the case. I hope that can happen. Yeah, I, I definitely do as well. Um, now, one of the things that I've noticed also as being a trend is that the brand has become the new product. And uh, a lot of artists have realized that utilizing this new world of content creation and social media has become the way to create that brand, whether it's uh, doing live streams or making music videos or even showing uh, almost reality show type content that gives their fans this this impression of being behind the scenes in the know um yeah kind of feeling like they're uh invested into the artists that they listen to what are some of the things that you're doing that that are really kind of helping create your brand through content and through social media um one of the things that I've done, and it's not my idea, I've borrowed it from others, is every new song that I write, I put up on my YouTube page. And so people get to see the song in its infancy, um, just me and my guitar, my voice, um, without all the production. And I think there's some value to that, so people feel as though they're kind of in on the ground floor. Um, and I was able to do that uh, as a promotion from my uh, single that I put out in March, Stargazing. I took the original uh, video from when I uh, had videoed that song in its infancy and then played that for a little bit and then moved to the fully produced version to, just to show that contrast. Um, I, I see a lot of artists able to successfully brand themselves 
into an image that a consumer really, really wants. I know one artist in particular who's, you know, got the cowboy hat, got the cowboy um, uh, shirt and, and jeans and boots and um, didn't grow up on a ranch, right? <laughs> but um, is able to market themselves in that way um, successfully through social media and, and, and that's, that's working for them. Um, I think it, it comes down to people wanting that connection. Um, I see a, a lot of folks in my circle being very successful with Patreon. And so they gather patrons who want that inside content, who want that, you know, that song in its infancy or that song that uh, the, the person puts out just for their patrons that month or the live stream just for their patrons. So they get that feeling of being in the know and being uh, a more intimate type of relationship with an artist. Mm-hmm. And I think people, people enjoy that as well, um, just as much as, you know, the, the mass-produced uh, I heard an interesting analogy somebody had put out saying, you know, McDonald's sells the most um, hamburgers in the world. There's no doubt. Um, but if you ask people where their favorite hamburger that they've ever had is, it's probably not that that place. It's probably some local joint or some, you know, some kind of uh, some maybe a, a gourmet burger place. And so I, I like that analogy for artists as well, is that, you know, I may not be you know streaming millions but I'm somebody's favorite, right? I'm somebody's, I'm somebody's uh, uh, gourmet burger. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I can see that. I, I think I'm going to bill myself as a gourmet burger. That's, that's a good way to go. Well, you know, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking with us. It's been a real pleasure. And uh, we're going to give everyone out there a double shot from your new release. And uh, you guys out there, you know what? Turn it up loud. Screw those neighbors. We're going to have some fun tonight. Oh, thank you for having me on, Richard. I give you my heart. Six notes and a page. Just paper and words. Melodies heard now and then in this place. Outside there's this light That matches my mood Gusts of hard wind That fully dried leaves And yesterday's news And I give it all Just for a few July
body language on repeat A haunt that speaks to me This phantom that I see Listened all damn day What your cues say Prior promises and play Here on my page, my deepest thoughts on stage. You're a habit I can't break. It's so hard to contain. Your day, my night, and night, my day. Prior promises and play. Feeling short and mystified. You seem to justify. Make you shout now, honey. I'm gonna make you 
Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. Shout now, huh? 